Uh, Heavenly Father, we do give you great thanks uh, that we can meet together tonight as your people. And Father, as we come to this uh, part of your scriptures, uh, Father, we pray that we would come to accept it uh, not as a human message, but that we would accept it as it truly is, uh, your message to us. And Father, we pray that you would, well, work in us by your spirit, by your word, to shape and change us, Father, to be more like your son. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've got uh, up on the screen a bit of an outline of uh, where we're going tonight in our talk. Uh, So we're going to start with a bit of a historical background to the letter, uh, and then three points. So point one, the ministry of Paul and uh, Co, verse 3 to 12, then the message of God, verse 13, and then persecution and judgment in verse 14 to 16. All right, so sort of a bit of a, a heads up of where we're going. And as we come to this passage, it's this wonderfully encouraging passage. Uh, so it comes in the, the book of 1 Thessalonians, and hopefully it'll be a, a great encouragement for us uh, to continue to follow Jesus. But to understand sort of how it works and what's going on, we do need to just think a little bit about the historical background uh, and what led, what sort of gave rise to this letter. Uh, so I've got a bit of a, uh, a map here to uh, help you understand what's going on. Uh, So when we come to the book of Acts, uh, we see Paul uh, traveling around uh, the known world, taking the gospel of God, and uh, well, he starts, this is his uh, second missionary journey, he starts uh, over here in uh, Antioch, and uh, heads up through this uh, region here, through uh, uh, Galatia, and uh, ends up in Troas, Uh, and as he travels around with his co-workers, he's strengthening churches, encouraging them, but in uh, Troas, he has this vision of a, of a Macedonian man, uh, so from here in the region of Macedonia, saying, come and share the gospel with us. And so Paul and his co-workers, they leave Troas, they head, stopping very quickly at a couple of places, and then they come to the town of, uh, of Philippi. They come to Philippi and uh, they begin to share the gospel of God, but they get in a little bit of trouble because of this. They end up in prison. Uh, famously, though, the Philippian jailer, he asks, you know, what must I do to be saved? Uh, and they say, well, trust in Jesus, you'll receive the forgiveness of sins. And, uh, but having been thrown into, uh, thrown into prison in Philippi, having been treated in this way, uh, they leave, right? They leave the city of Philippi and then come to the city of uh, Thessalonica, which is somewhere up there. I can't really see, but uh, anyway, somewhere up there anyway. And uh, they come to uh, Thessalonica. And I'm going to read a little bit from uh, Acts chapter 17. Uh, which describes their ministry there. So then they, that's Paul and uh, his co-workers, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As usual, Paul went to the synagogue and on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and showing that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Right, so he comes to bring this good news that Jesus is the, the promised King, the Messiah, the one to come. Uh, You can see they were there for three Sabbath days, three Saturdays. Uh, This sort of suggests that, well, they were there for a short time, possibly as as little as three weeks, uh, possibly uh, a little bit longer. Uh, But even in that short time, as they explain the the gospel, uh, there's a positive response, right? As we keep reading in Acts chapter 17, then some of them uh, from the synagogue, some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas including a great number of God-fearing Greeks or Gentiles, uh, as well as a number of the leading women. Uh, so if we go back to, uh, sorry, 
So you can see that even though they were there for a, a short time, there's a positive response, right? Some people come to follow Jesus. But, well, the Jews are jealous of uh, what have happened, so they begin to stir up trouble for Paul and his co-workers. Uh, they kind of whip up this uh, mob that turns against Paul, and uh, so they have to flee the city. If we go back to our map, uh, they leave uh, Thessalonica in a bit of a hurry, and then come sort of a few different places, but end up really in the town of, uh, of Corinth. Uh, and it seems that from there, that's where Paul writes this letter, uh, along with uh, Silas and Timothy, uh, back to the Thessalonians to encourage them. That's a little bit of the, the background, I guess, of how the letter came about. And you see this kind of reference to the beginning of chapter 2. So if you look at there, chapter 2, verse uh, 2, it says, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, remember being thrown into jail, he says, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. Uh, and we see there in verse 1 that the visit was not without results, that even though they were there for a short time, even though they faced opposition, uh, well, there were a number of people who came to follow Jesus. But one of the questions I guess we need to ask is, well, why is Paul telling them this? I mean, you see all through the chapter, that little phrase, as you know, right? As you know, and of, of course they know, they were there, right? So why is he telling them these things? Well, it seems that he's writing back to really encourage them to, well, to continue as Christians, to stand firm, particularly in the face of opposition. He knows that they are new believers. He was only there with them for a short time. And yet he's concerned for them. He wants them to, well, to persevere as Christians. He wants them to grow and to be encouraged, which is why he takes the time to write this letter and to send to them in Thessalonica. And so with that in mind then, well, we come to the first main part of the chapter in verse 3 to 12, as Paul and his authors, as they well, as they recount their ministry amongst the Thessalonians. And as he does this, he speaks both in the positive of what he did do, but he also speaks in the negative of what he didn't do. And that's how he starts in verse 3. So verse 3, for our exhortation, our teaching, uh, it didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive, right? None of those things. Verse 4, instead... What motivated them, what their desire was, well, was to speak to please God. It seems that for Paul, Silas and Timothy, their motivation, right, their, well, their godly motivation was to please their Father in heaven. Now, we see the contrast in verse 4, they didn't speak to please people, no, they wanted to, well, to please God. We see that continue in verse 5, he says, we never used flattering speech, as you know, didn't have greedy motives, we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. No, for Paul, Silas and Timothy, they were seeking to please their Father in heaven. And at that point, it's just worth just stopping and reflecting for a moment, isn't it, about our own motivations. As we think about our own life and ministry, what is it that motivates us? Or perhaps maybe a, a better question is, well, who I think if we're honest, as we go about our life, it's, it's very easy just to sort of be looking out the corner of our eye, isn't it? 
to be wondering, I mean, I wonder what the other people of church are wondering what they think of me. And perhaps living in a way seeking to impress others, or perhaps even more dangerously, to have an eye to the world, to be thinking, well, I wonder what I seem like in the eyes of the world. Do I seem impressive to them? But if you stop and think about it, it's a pretty foolish thing to do, isn't it? I mean, why would we be so concerned what other people think of us? Why would we so concern what the world thinks of us? I mean, surely, surely much more important is what our Father in Heaven thinks of us. Surely we should live to please Him. It's not just because He's the one that examines our hearts, but He's the one, as we saw in chapter 1, the one who has shown grace to us. The one, well, Jesus came to die in our place. The one who gives us peace in the gospel of Jesus. The one who welcomes us into his family so that we can know him not just as our God, but as our Father in heaven. Well, surely knowing this, we should want to please him. That we should live, well, so to speak, for an audience of one. And that's really what we see in, in Paul and his co-workers, right? Their motivation is they are seeking to please God. But as he continues, we also see their genuine care, right? That's what we see in the next little section. Look there, verse 7. Verse 7, although we could have been a, a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you as a nursing mother nurtures her own children, uh, it's quite a, quite a striking image, isn't it? Uh, imagine uh, a new mum with her little bub. Uh, the, the care and love that she has for this little baby. Uh, and that's really what, what Paul is trying to communicate here. Verse 8, right? We cared so much for you. We cared so much for you, you, you Thessalonians. We cared so much that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. Right, you see that for Paul and his co-workers, they had this, this genuine care for the Thessalonians. Right, that's why they were there, to share the message of God. That's why they want to see them built up and encouraged. And it's quite remarkable, isn't it? Because you think, well, hang on, I mean, they were only there for a short time. Maybe even three weeks, Right? maybe a little bit longer, but over that time, they were to have this genuine care for these, for these people in Thessalonica. And in fact, you see this all through the letter, right? The way that they shared their lives with them. I mean, one of the things you notice in the chapter is time and time again, they say, as you know, right? You know our heart, you know our lives, you know our motivations, because Paul and his co-workers, they cared so much that they shared their lives with them. That as they went about their life and ministry, they included the, the Thessalonians in what they were doing. So they could say, well, as you know, our life and ministry. And again, as we just stop and think about our own context for a moment. Well, it's worth asking ourselves, well, how we feel about our brothers and sisters in Christ about the ones that God has given us to encourage? Do we share this same genuine care 
for those that God has given us? Are we willing to share our lives with those around us that we might encourage them? See, I think if, well, if we're honest, we don't always feel particularly caring to the people around us. Right? Sometimes the people that God has given us in our church family, right, sometimes well, they're a little bit disappointing, sometimes a little bit annoying, a little bit frustrating. Right? It can be hard to care for one another. But I think the key for us is to, well, to see one another as God sees us. Right? I think that's the key for Paul as he thinks of the Thessalonians. If you think back to chapter 1, how does he see them? Well, as brothers and sisters loved by God, as those that God has chosen. And that's the key for us, isn't it? That as we think about our Christian family, to see them as family, that they are brothers and sisters loved by God, those that God has given to us, that together we call on God as our Father. And so we should have a genuine care for one another, a care that means that we're willing to share our lives with one another, that we might encourage and build one another up. But you notice in verse 8, it's not just the, the sharing of lives, but also the sharing of the gospel of God sharing the good news of Jesus, right? It's, it's, it's both and, sharing of lives and the sharing of the message. And I think you sort of see that confirmed in the next little section, right? We see the, the genuine care of Paul and his co-workers, but also their gospel purpose, right? Look there, verse 11 and 12, right? As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You can see that, well, it's described in relational language, right? Father, children, encouragement, comfort, imploring. But you notice in verse 12 the goal. The goal is that these Thessalonians would walk worthy of God, right? This is what Paul and his co-workers want to see for them. First of all, that they would well, follow Jesus, but now that they would continue in him and continue to grow in their maturity, right? This is the focus. This is the reason they went to Thessalonica. This is the reason in verse 9 why they labored and endured hardship. This is the reason they worked night and day, so they might, they might see them, understand and accept the gospel, grow as Christians and so walk worthy of God. See, if we think about our own context, as we want to encourage other Christian believers, if we want to share the gospel, it's not enough just for us to build relationships with others. It's not enough just to spend time with others. Now, we must be committed to speaking the message of God. We have to be proactive in seeking people or seeing people to walk worthy of God. As I think about my own kind of context and my own life, this is something I've really tried to keep in the center of, uh, of my heart. Now, as I think about, you know, different people I chat to in the community, one of the things that I, I find really tempting it's really tempting to be the kind of the, the friendly pastor, right? You know, the person who says hello and is friendly and nice and people like to talk to, 
right? particularly as a part of the school community. And, and that, that's a good thing, right? It's not that we should be really annoying and obnoxious. But see, the question is, am I seeking people who will walk worthy of God? Is that my purpose? Is that what I want? Not just that people would think that I'm nice and friendly, but that I would want people to follow Jesus. Right? That's, well, that's the challenge for me, isn't it? But it's the challenge for all of us. So I think in, in one sense, it's, it's very easy to come to this chapter and to agree with it wholeheartedly about others. Right? To read this passage and think, yeah, yeah, that is the way my pastor should act to me. Yeah, my, my gospel team leader, they, they really need to read this. This is the way they should minister and encourage me. And yeah, this is the way the people in my congregation, I'm glad they're here tonight. So glad they can hear these words. They seek to encourage and build me up. But of course, the question is, well, what would it look like for you to put this into practice? See, we all have the responsibility to build one another up in Christ. Right? If you are a follower of Jesus, well, then you have the responsibility to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. And all of us have a responsibility to share the good news of Jesus with those who are lost. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you have the responsibility to share the good news of Jesus with those who are lost. And so you need to ask the question, well, are you being faithful then in that task. As you spend time with people from church, well, how often are you proactive in encouraging them as Christians? As you spend time with people who are lost, how often do you actively seek to share the gospel of Jesus? See, if those answers to the question, sorry, the answer to those questions are, well, not very often then I hope you'll be really encouraged by this chapter. As you look at Paul and Silas and Timothy, and to see their genuine care for their Thessalonians. Right? We cared so much for you that we wanted to share the message of God and, and share our lives with you. To see the way that they sought to please their Father in heaven. I think one of the greatest obstacles to us being faithful in the place that God has given us is that we care too much what other people think of us. But what a wonderful passage that encourages us to focus, well, how might we please our Father in heaven? But as we feel the, the weight of this passage, and, and I hope you do, it's really important that we're clear on our role in the purpose, oh, sorry, our, our, our role in this process. And we see that sort of put before us in verse 13. Look there at verse 13 with me. Verse 13, this is why we constantly thank God. Because when you received the message about God that you heard from us, that you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the message of God, which also works effectively in you believers. I mean, one of the things that's really encouraging that we see in the opening chapters of, the one, of 1 Thessalonians is to see the way that Paul and Silas and Timothy, in one sense, they shared a human message with these people, but to see the way that they received it, not as a human message, but as it truly is the message of God. 
Uh, and we saw earlier in, in chapter 1, this, this was a work of God's Spirit in them. Right? It's the message of God that comes from Him, and He is the one who works effectively in those who believe. It's a reminder for us as we, as we share the message of hope with those around us, our job is to proclaim Jesus, but God is the one who brings the growth. And so it's important as we seek to encourage others, as we seek to share the gospel, or that we pray. Pray and ask that God would work through us, that He would work by His Spirit so that people might receive the words we speak, not just as a human message, but, well, as it truly is, the message of God. But actually, if you see verse 13, that the thrust of it is, I mean, it's not so much praying, but, but thankfulness, isn't it? The Thessalonians are to be thankful, well, Paul, sorry, is thankful for the way that they have received this message. And it's a good opportunity for us to be thankful. Thankful for the way that God has used others to encourage us as Christians. Right? Whether it was the person who first shared the gospel with us or someone who's helped us along the way. It's so important for us to be thankful, all to them, but also thankful to God for His work through them. And also we can be thankful for the way that we have been able to encourage others. But part of the reason Paul knows that they have, well, received the message as it truly is, is what happens in the last little part of this chapter, or this section, uh, in verses 14 to 16. And in particular, the way that they have endured persecution. Let's look with me there at uh, verse 14. He says, For you, brothers became imitators of God's church, sorry, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews. As you can see that Paul sort of likens this Thessalonians to the Judean churches, right? Because, well, the Judean churches, mostly Jewish Christians, in the way that they faced persecution from Jews, well, the Thessalonians are also facing persecution and opposition uh, from their, their own country, uh, people from their own country. And this is part of the way that Paul knows, well, they have received the message as it truly is, right? Because they have been endured this persecution. And Paul knows that this is the reality, right? I mean, partly because he was there, right? He was in Thessalonica, but also because he sent Timothy to them. Uh, we'll see this next week in chapter 3, he sends Timothy to find out how the Thessalonians are going. Now Timothy has come back to Paul, presumably in Corinth, uh, and he knows that they are facing opposition. And so this is part of the reason he writes this letter, to encourage them, to continue as Christians, to stand firm. And yet part of the way he encourages them is to remind them of the promise of God's judgment. And that's what we see in verses 15 and 16. So you remember, Paul, he compares the Thessalonians to the Judean churches who were persecuted by the Jews. Well, he continues to describe these Jews. Verse 15, those who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us. They displeased God and are hostile to everyone, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. 
Now, of course, he's not speaking of all Jews, right? Not all Jews were persecuting, some Jews became Christians, right? Not all Jews were responsible for killing the Lord Jesus. He's sort of saying this is characteristic of them, a generalization. I think that's what you see in verse 16, as a, as a result, they are always completing the number of their sins, right? The Jews are continuing to oppose the gospel. But then in verse 16, he continues, he says, well, wrath, God's wrath, has overtaken them at last. Now, it's hard to know here, is, is Paul seeing this as something that's already happened? Uh, interesting, around this time in AD 49, Emperor Claudius, he ejected all the Jews from Jerusalem, so you see in uh, Acts chapter 18, uh, Paul sort of thinking of that event and saying, well, this is part of God's wrath being expressed against the Jews for their rebellion. Uh, it's possible, or he could also be thinking of the future, uh, the day when God will hold all things to account. But in any case, we know that God's justice will come, don't we? Whether we see it in this life, well, we're not sure, but it will come at the end. There will come a day when everyone will come before Jesus as the judge. And for those that oppose God's churches, well, they will face the consequence for their actions. They will face the consequences from the just judge. And this is meant to be a comfort to the Thessalonians, right? As they are experiencing persecution and opposition, to know that those who are against them, they will face the consequence for what they are doing. And this in part encourages them, well, not to take revenge, but to live out the teaching of Jesus, to pray for those who persecute them. Well, having looked at this passage then in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, uh, we trust that for the original readers, the Thessalonians, that they were, were deeply encouraged uh, to receive this letter from Paul and Silas and Timothy. And we trust that they will continue to follow Jesus for all their days. And I hope that for us, as we come to this letter, this term, that it might be an encouragement to us, whether we've been a Christian for three weeks or 30 years, we would be encouraged to, to stand firm in Jesus and to continue to follow Him. And it's a great opportunity to be thankful to God, thankful for God for the way that He has encouraged us through the ministry of others. But of course, it's also an opportunity to think about our role, to think about our responsibility, to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ, to think about our responsibility to share the good news of Jesus with those who are lost. And as we do this, well, we have a clear purpose, don't we? We want to see people who will walk worthy of God. And we do it because well, we have a genuine care for those around us. Remember what Paul said, we cared so much for you that we were pleased to share the gospel of God and also our lives. And we would do this, we would fulfill our responsibility because we want to please our Father in heaven. He is the one who has shown grace to us. He is the one who offers us peace. And so knowing that the great news of Jesus, knowing that we're part of God's family, well, let us commit ourselves to seeking to please Him in all that we do. How about I'll lead us in prayer to close.
Our Father, we do give you great thanks that we can meet together tonight and come to read the letter of 1 Thessalonians. Father, we're so thankful for the way that you use Paul and Silas and Timothy to encourage the saints, sorry, encourage the saints in Thessalonica. And we pray that for us, as we read this word, that it might be an encouragement to us. Help us to see it as it truly is, not a human message, but as a message from you. Father, we're so thankful for the way that you have encouraged us. We thank you for those that you have used, people around us, who share the gospel with us and encourage us to stand firm in him. And Father, we pray that we might do the same for others. Give us a willingness, a genuine care for others that we would love to share the gospel of grace. Help us to encourage and build up our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we pray that you would give us hearts for that love to please you. Father, guard us from thinking too highly of what other people think of us. But instead, may we live for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.